Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, brought to you by Iron Solutions, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC and 21st Century Equipment sits down with Greg Peterson of Machinery Pete. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. Before we turn things over to Casey, a quick word from Iron Solutions, who's making this podcast a reality. Iron Solutions provides dealers with an array of lifecycle management services that drive sales and profits. Their Iron Search and Iron Guides are all about managing your dealership more efficiently and profitably, while Iron Search allows you to directly showcase your equipment online to a wider universe of buyers. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. Let's listen in as Casey and Greg talk about how the used equipment market fared in the first month of the new year. They also discuss product mix and how that will impact the used equipment market and their outlook on trends to watch for the next five years. Greg, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Casey. Always fun. All right, buddy. So let's talk about what into 2018 going into 2019 here. What that last quarter of the year look like? Um, as far as inventories go compared to the beginning of 2018? Well, I, I think what we saw in the used market case the end of 18 was sort of a continuation of the trend we started to see at the very end of 17. And it was basically, you know, sort of surprising, I guess you would say, strength, uh, hard cash pricing, all based on the condition of the equipment. That needs to be the first qualifier. So if it's in good condition, the buyer demand out there was, you know, it surprised a lot of folks across the segment, but I think if you pull back, it, it makes sense. I mean, we saw the AEM numbers were up tractors and combine sales a little bit in 18. And again, I started to see in late 17, I think it has a great deal to do with some pent up demand at that point. It'd been what, four and a half years since uh, things got a little tougher, a uh, profit pressure for farmers. So kind of needing to update their equipment lines. And the result is that, uh, you know, good condition used when it was showing up at auction, the, the pricing was, was pretty strong. And it's actually carried over right through January here. Not a ton of auctions in January 19, but the farm auctions we've seen, again, the pricing has been solid. And the other trend we're seeing, it's kind of incredible, the amount of late model equipment that's on these auctions. It's just kind of astounding. But, again, pricing has been not too bad. Yeah. So I've been tracking a few things here. <clears throat> Oh, before we get to that, let's jump into this. So now here we are, the first month of the year. January is about wrapped up here. It's uh, January 30th as we record this. And we are moving in to what I would consider to be, you know, February, March time frame as a pretty, you know, peak time uh, for, for buying used equipment. Mm-hmm. Guys moving into to playing season. Guys, you know, looking at updating their combine and those kind of things, moving into to pre-harvest sales. So, what are you seeing so far the first part, the first month of the year, and, and, and how do you think that is going to compare to this time last year when you go back and take a look at your numbers? Well, I, I see positive signs, I guess, Casey, on a number of fronts. Again, one is just the pricing, hard cash auction, what are folks paying? And again, the, the nice auctions we've seen, uh, farm auctions, uh, online auctions, consignment sales around the country in January, for the most part, I would say, perform pretty well kind of a continuation of the end of 18. I mean, we had our own machinery Pete online dealer auction that ended December 
27th. And if, if we, when we looked at that as a whole, at the pricing, I think the overall, the numbers maybe perform maybe at, or just a little above. So that was to me kind of indicative of what we've been seeing. So there's that, that truth. Auction pricing has been good <clears throat> on good condition stuff. And we can also look uh, at search traffic to our machinerypeat.com website and across, it's interesting across the, the major, the bigger equipment categories. So the 175 horse plus tractors was up significantly uh, in fourth quarter. And some of it you might expect coming off third quarter, you know, end of year buying patterns. But it was a little bit beyond that. You know, combines, uh, planters, planters are a huge spike that we saw. And that's just people looking. So again, now we've got hard cash auction pricing being solid to a little bit up. Now we can also correlate the raw number of people looking, which was a little bit up. And the kind of the third data point, I guess it's not really a data point, but when I go around to like farm shows and I talk to manufacturers. Uh, so yesterday I was in Des Moines at the Iowa uh, Power Farming Show. And we're doing some video and just talking to, you know, talking to companies that, you know, whatever, sell planter attachments or make this or that solution. And if I could nut it down into one synopsis there most of those folks are saying man we're getting quite a bit of traffic at the shows this winter um so again i i think that correlates to people looking and as it how it all you know ties back to the reality that you know times are kind of tough continuing i it's just an interesting mix right now but that that's what i'm seeing casey so there's a there's a trend i've been trying to pay attention to and try to watch quite a bit because I, I have concern about what our product mix is going to look like from an in, like inventory standpoint across all, all platforms, right? So when you go out in the mm-hmm. websites and you look at the different websites that are out there, you're going to see X, Y, and Z, and, and then how does that shape up and how does that compare to, you know, different things you see happening across across the network. So my, my biggest concern I have right now is not so much if we're going to sell equipment, because I really feel like 2019 is going to be a, a replica of 2018. I really do believe that. There's, unless something, you know, crazy happens and some – something really breaks loose or there's a weather event or the China thing gets taken care of or, or, or whatever it might be. There could mm-hmm. be, you know, there could be some weather events, you know, as far as planning goes, there could be any, you know, anything we've had, you know, we've had so many different things happen over the last couple of years when it comes to how harvest and planting season takes off and, and what that looks like. So I I'm looking at equipment right now and I've been tracking our groups um, of equipment. So for example, on a combine, I'll break things down into into incremental hour ranges and graph it, you know, so 0 to 300, mm-hmm. 300 to 500, you know, so on and so forth all the way up. What I'm seeing is, is a little bit of a disturbing sign where the late out, the late model, low hour stuff that falls into that, that 300 hour, 500 hour range is uh, significantly lower by about 10 times, 10 fold lower than what you see on the other end of that 2000 plus range. Now you would expect that because um, the stuff that's two thousand plus hours now was are that is that two thousand twelve two thousand fourteen stuff that there was just a mass production right and that stuff now is that you start looking at useful life decisions are being made do I spend a bunch of money to repair it and and kind of keep it going um, again after I've done it once already or do I uh, go out and buy me something new so what I'm afraid of is going to happen is when these <clears throat> Because of the new orders that we've sold, you know, over 18, 
and those are going to start getting delivered now, new combines, new four-wheel drives, planters, those kind of things, that you might see a spike on the late model stuff, low-houred stuff, and then you're going to have another spike on the other end and then stuff in the middle. There might not be a stuff, enough stuff in the middle to fulfill the, the washout cycle so you can wash everything out. So do you have a sense at all that you uh, when you look at your, your machine repeat data that you have on your website where you're, you're seeing something like that where you have a kind of a, a heavier load on the back side of, of the hour range compared to what you see on the front, the front side? And do you see that front side yeah. starting to grow more? Yeah. Oh my God. That's unbelievable case. That's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's interesting that you track the volume based on hour range like that, because that jives exactly with what we're seeing. So when that low hour, you know, one, two, three year old stuff shows up at auction, like I saw at end of last week, Thursday and Friday, there were auctions in Arkansas, Tennessee, and Texas, which usually down South, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit trickier um, what stuff brings versus up in the north, but solid pricing. So there's demand on that, like you say, on that on that late model, low houred stuff. And then there's the, the bubble you identified, like that 2012 to 14. That is the right square in it, and that's softer. The auction pricing on that stuff, you know, and again we expect more hours, whatever. But there's this soggy spot. Or the value, you know, you look at the values in the year-over-year depreciation, hard cash auction pricing, it's like, you know, that's a pretty good hit. You move past that and you get, you know, into that 8, 10, 11-year-old stuff, show me something there in good condition and I'll show you, you know, sometimes insane bidding at auction. This is to the point where I'm actually now writing and blogging and talking and advising people. It's like, hey, Look at the four to six year old stuff. That's where your va- that's where your opportunity, your value is. So from a dealership angle, you know, if if that stuff is piling up and becoming problematic, it'll be I guess interesting in nineteen to see how the industry chooses um, to deal with it. On the one hand, you've got fewer owner groups as the consolidation continues at a rapid clip. So I don't know if, if that will affect. The, the speed or lack of speed that that stuff gets pushed out. I, I don't know. But again, hard cash, uh, that's that's the soft spot. And the, the buying opportunity, that's what I'm trying to play up to the farm audience is, hey, there's some great value here, folks. Call your local dealer, bargain on this stuff. You, you can get a get some great, you know, great deals right now. Yeah. My, my concern with, with the uh, kind of the sale of equipment has a lot to do with the number of farmers right now. And how that how that mm-hmm. is, you know. So here we are in in renewal season, and you know everybody's going to the bank to see where they can be, if how much money their bank's going to loan them for operating notes, and if they're going to get some money, if they're not going to get some money, do they need to go out find a different lender or or what? You know. So there's a lot of thing going on, a lot of things going on right now that are kind of driving that. As these farmers get bigger and ranchers get bigger and stuff like that, or guys retire or whatever it might be, you know, there's whatever that might be. You know that 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 takes that one more used buyer out of the marketplace, and and that's a that, I think that's going to be a continual struggle struggle um, as, as we look at you know over the next five years and what that looks like. I mean, I think the next five years are going to be a a pretty big um, jolt to the system uh, when we start looking at how the overall farm population kind of interacts with with dealers and and what does that look like. So. What's your what's your thought process over the next five years, and, and kind of how do you see things shaping up? And, and do you, are you noticing any trend lines that five years ago you said, you know, in your head, you're like, hey, man, I think this is going to happen, and now it's starting to kind of come true? 
Well, uh, yeah, I think, again, you're spot on, Casey. You're always looking ahead. Uh, you know, that's why you're do a great job of what you're doing there. Uh, and I would agree. I would say, you know, the next period of years, five to 10, probably five to 15 years, we're going to have, boy, it would have to be what? One of the biggest uh, transformational shifts in ownership. You know, who is farming and how many people are farming, like you said. Definitely, if you look back, I started to see it middle of 15 and, and the raw number of machinery auctions jumped by like 50%. Now, it's a little... We have to pull back here and, and note that from 08 through early thir- or through 13, the number of auctions was down by 50%, which, of course, it was a better time. You were making money. More older farmers, you know, they were having fun. You were making money, so why quit? And they didn't. When things turned, spring of 13, I knew it would take a while. It's like if the stock market is roaring for five years and, and then it turns down, you, not everyone jumps out immediately. Because you got five years of like, oh, things are good. Things will things will get better. Well, it took two years, and then guys started to retire. But what I saw in seventeen is when really ramped up the number of far, older farmers just straight retiring. And again, the the biggest trend within that increase in Farmer Joe retiring is that Farmer Joe has a lot of late model used equipment. I haven't seen this in twenty nine years tracking auctions. Just Un- unprecedented. So as these guys retire, you're right, there, there, there will be a concern. And you're right to think of it in those terms because, you know, whether it's a dealer or uh, you're selling something private or auction, whatever, you, you can't assume the same buyer base that has been there. And uh, another, another confirmation of this is, again, yesterday I was at the Iowa uh, Power Farming Show visiting with one of the manufacturers. And we were just chit-chatting, whatever, BSing. I was like, well, how many shows do you go to? And the guy goes, ah, I go to about 25 or 30 shows. And we got talking, and he said, you know, the farm community, if you get right down to it, he goes, isn't that big? And he, his number was 250,000. And, I, you know, I'm just listening, and we're talking. And it's like, it's kind of scary a little bit. With the hurdles now, the banking law changes, and, you know, the tighter regulations you have to have on your financing it's going to be really interesting these next five, 10 years, how this all transitions. It'll transition. I think for dealerships, boy, you got to be wary of that. And, um, you know, just thinking about it like you are there, because that's, it's going to be a huge change. No question about it. Yeah. I mean, footprint's going to matter whether you're a dealer or you're a farmer, you know, it's all going to be about Mm -hmm. area that you have to cover. You know, it's all about volume and, and, you know, the volume, the volume that you cover is going to, is, you know, the, the more space you have to cover, the more volume you're going to get. So that's that's going to be a yep. that's going to be a uh, a thing moving forward. So you brought something up in that that I that I've I've always been intrigued about, and it's the transitional period that we're in right now between you know the generational transition, right? So you have uh, mm-hmm. you know dads retiring, grandpas retiring, and and grandson or sons coming back out of college, and they're gonna they're gonna take over. So that that forty year old to 20 year old you know it's kind of coming back and in, into in the operation and a lot of them came back in 2010 2012 when things were just going like gangbusters and and now they're they're uh, experiencing uh a grandpa experienced in the 80s and and same with dad so yep we'll get back to casey and greg in a moment but first a quick word from the company who made this podcast possible iron solutions has deep roots in the ag industry with products for producers, dealers, manufacturers, ag retailers, and service providers. 
visit www.ironsolutions.com to see solutions that streamline your operation, improve productivity, reduce cost, and speed your growth. When we left off, Casey and Greg were discussing the transformational shift that's going to happen in the next five to 10 years in regards to who is farming. Greg says sellers aren't going to be able to assume who the buyer is anymore. Now here's Casey with a quick message about moving iron. Hello, I'm Casey Seymour, and I want to thank Farm Equipment Magazine for partnering with me to bring you the Farm Equipment Podcast Series, Use Equipment Remarketing Roadmap. The podcasts are taken from my weekly podcast, Moving Iron Podcast. Moving Iron Podcast is a podcast designed for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. The weekly podcast focuses on current events and trends across the ag equipment marketplace in North America. Along with dealers, I interview the biggest names in the ag industry. Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Aga Marketing is a regular guest talking about commodity markets and risk management. You can also hear guests like Greg Machinery Pete Peterson and Tyne Morgan of the U.S. Farm Report. If you are in the ag equipment business or have an interest in the ag equipment business, this is a must listen for you. You can find the podcast at movingironllc.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. Also at movingironllc.com, you can find information on the 2018 Moving Iron Summit in Las Vegas, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast, and articles from the Moving Iron blog. Throughout the year, there will be guest bloggers writing on various topics from their point of view. You can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, or you can find me on LinkedIn. And if you would like, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. Thanks, Casey. Let's get back to the program now as Casey and Greg talk about the generational shift in customers and the hurdles of dealing with the younger farmer customers. They get into how communication preferences, including social media, with a younger generation offer huge opportunities for dealers who embrace the changes. Your travels, the guys you talk to, does that come up? Does that does that dealing with that with that next generation and what that's like, you know, and, and what the what the hurdles are that they're overcoming? Yeah, it's interesting uh, topic there, Casey. Yesterday again, I was at the show and I was visiting with uh, I think if they're not the biggest dealer in Iowa, they're the second. Uh, when we were talking about younger farmers and dealing with them as customers, and I think they're one part of it, a big part of it is a uh, technological, just how. You know, I don't like to generalize. I mean, we have two daughters. They're 27 and 25, and I see how they communicate. And, of course, if you grew up with a cell phone and the Internet, that's your world. We didn't – I didn't grow up that way. So, for us, it was a little more personal, you know, maybe – going into the dealership to talk or going to the farm show to visit with the manufacturers or going to the auction to talk to people. And now, with you know, everyone's on their phone all the time, which is great, um, but – there's generational changes within that. So interesting when we talk to auction companies, you know, some have embraced that wholly and, you know, pushing forward, leaning into that change. A lot of them will say, you know, I don't necessarily like this. I would just assume straight, you know, call all my auctions on site. I like being an auctioneer, but they can see the future is, you know, you know, everyone's going to be on their phone, online bidding. So you have to be aware of that. And on the dealership level, Again, one of the interesting things I see, you look at the employee structure and the age, you know, especially across your sales force. How many young salesmen do you have are native to the internet, cell phone, uh, Snapchat type thing? And then through your service department. And also, 
you know, if we think of the customer, how do they expect to be communicated with? So yeah, changes for banks, for dealers, for auction firms. And I think there's honestly huge opportunity, whether you're a dealer, an auction company, a bank, whatever, if you lean into this and aren't afraid of it and say, okay, things are changing, this is fine. You can connect with your customer more deeply and frankly, take customers from your competitors. Like on the auction front scene, uh, Steffes Group is a good example. Great company up north there. Actually, they're all over now. But So they hired a young gal, uh, Brittany, and she just does social media. That's all she does for them. She goes around, shoots video, interviews the farmers who are selling beforehand. Great stuff. And I can see it. They're pulling a bigger audience now. So you invest into that instead of saying, oh, boy, I don't know about these cell phones. I mean, you're going to get your butt kicked if you think of things that way. That, that's what I see, and hopefully that makes a little sense. No, I agree. We, uh, you'd be amazed how many deals get done via text message anymore. There's not. Uh, oh, I, I bet. Mean, we guys back and forth on text message more than they are on the phone talking. And like to your point, I do think that. Well, uh, I do think Casey, you were correct earlier. You were talking about the 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 age of the farmer. One one uh, how that's changing and how they communicate. One thing again, I've been doing this 29 plus years, so it used to be the outreach I would get from from farmers, you know, either wondering about, Hey Pete, what's this worth? Or Hey Pete, I'm looking to sell this thing from the late eighties through the nineties through the two thousands. If I would again, try to generalize the folks that were calling me were about 50, 50 to 62 years old. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like at the time there were many 25 year old guys calling me saying, Hey Pete, I'm looking to buy an S six, seven. Now that sh- that ratio has really shifted the last three, four years. And so the outreach we get is from a lot of the younger farmers coming back, you said, like a few years ago. Yeah. So I think that's just going to continue. Yeah, it's going to be a, yeah, either you're on either you're on board with technology or you're, or you're not. And if you're not, God bless you. It's going to be a rough ride for you because it's, it's, it's not a fat and it's not going I, I would away. concur. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's talk about here 28 or 2019. Um, like I said, I think there was, you know, I don't see much difference between 2018 and 2019. I think the years, uh, you know, the volume is going to be similar. I think there's going to be, um, you know, the same amount of, of, of revenue is going to be generating in, in 2018 or in 2019 compared to 2018. It just feels like it's just going to be a carbon copy unless there's something crazy happens with, you know, the China thing. If they get that thing put to bed or, you know, whether they get – some weather event or something like that where you could see 450 corn or something like that and 12 13 dollar beans those kind of things again so what's your thought on 2019 and, and kind of what what's your crystal ball telling you moving forward through the end of the year well i would agree completely casey i think uh, my crystal ball is is going back to kind of mid 2016 and that's sort of when we started to see you know whatever the soft bottom or whatever you want to call it but uh basically use evaluations on big late model stuff started to just kind of level off and quit the, the massive drop that we had from mid 13 through all of 14, all of 15, early 16. And so when we started, when we saw this little spike, November and December of 17, the question was, was that going to be a short term thing? And that was a good question. I, I didn't know, frankly, it was like, wow, these pricing pricing is going up. This is somewhat surprising. <clears throat> but again, it held all through 18 and all through January of 19. So again, outside of the black swan event, 
you know, I, I don't really see things changing that much. But one interesting point, and again, when you when you live on social media like I have the last 10 years, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, you run into the, the, the chicken little crowd, which is, is you know, part of farming. I, I get it's tough and things, no matter what you say, people, oh, well, th- things must be. And it's a, it's a tough time. I get it. A lot of times we'll post some of these strong pricings. And they're just reality. It's like, well, here's a, you know, last Thursday a John Deere CS six ninety cotton stripper sold for five hundred fifty thousand on an auction in Texas. So we post that, and people are like, oh, well, that that guy paid way too much, or wait till next year. One interesting little sub thing that a couple of people have thrown in there is they said, wait till the money runs out. Again, that's a little bit chicken little viewpoint on the world, but you know, I don't, you know. There's, you can convince yourself if you think hard enough that things are going to get tougher. But again, what I've done for almost 30 years is just track things day by day. What are people paying for assets? Are they up? Are they down? We see the search traffic up, but good condition stuff is selling well. I think, again, demand will stay there through 19. In fact, if we talk black swans, potential things that could happen, I'm sort of more of the mind that a black swan could tip things into overdrive. And, you know, I don't know what would happen if, say, next Monday, <clears throat> President Trump and they're like, hey, we, boom, we're done. We have signed everything. We're cool with China. Now, and we have a lot of beans, and I do, I'm not an economist. I don't know. But what I do think for sure would happen if and when corn and beans go up, surge a bit, and stick, that I think we would we would see some things unleashed, I think. You know, you look at 2018, the AEM numbers, tractors and combine purchases were up. And I'm reporting that used, good condition used values were up. And that's in a crap environment. And now pull back and think of the tax law changes that went into effect. And that, that doesn't even get really talked about now in terms of the incentives getting ramped up. <clears throat> and we have 10 years of proof looking back to late 2007, what happened when there was money in the system? Again, if you talk black swans, whenever commodity prices go up, I've told folks on Wall Street this, I said, I'll, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Things are just going to take off. Now, again, I don't know when that will be, what will cause it, but, you know, that's where my head is sitting, I guess. Yeah. As soon as we get 450 corn, that's when things will take off. And that's when you'll start seeing a fair amount of, mm-hmm. of revenue that they have, you start looking at guys that have tax problems and this, that, and the other thing. That right. being said, I don't want it to go. I mean, I'm going to get some probably hate mail now, but I don't want that eight, nine dollar corn <laughs> yeah, right. to come back or seven, eight dollar corn to come back. I mean, that didn't really do anybody any favors. Yeah. People made some money, problems, right? but a, a whole different set of problems came through. And that that's, that's right. where you, that's where you kind of, start running into those price of food and all the different stuff that come along with that. So it's definitely something that I would, I mean, great. It was great. Don't get me wrong. We sold a ton of equipment, but we also, it created a whole nother problem that, that I think a lot of people kind of never really thought about. And that's, if you got a bunch of money, you're going to buy a used piece. You're going to buy a new piece. You're going to buy a new piece, you know? And that was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of used equipment issues in that, 2009 to 2012 right. ramp up, especially with combine. So I'm not, right. I'm not asking for any of that. I just well, one, want some even killness there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Yeah, you probably will get a little lead on that one, Casey. But <laughs> one uh, interesting way to look at the current market, it's interesting. And again, I think part of the whole issue is when you come off of, you know, basically from whatever, 07 to, you know, into 13, 14. And, you know, we'll look back and say, you know, if you were farming, that was probably the longest run of good times ever there. Now, what happens is when you come off of that, everything pales in comparison, right? Right. It's like, ah, you know, corn is three, whatever. Well, it used to be, used to be a lot higher. Well, I, I do this quarterly report. We call it our machine repeat use values index. And the the interesting thing about it, it's based on all the auction prices on, on all types of equipment we compile. And I try to nut it down into a simplistic, you know, overly simplistic one to 10 rating scale just to, for the Wall Street crowd, basically, to give them a look. Uh, here's what's happening. When I started putting it out in uh, 2011, <clears throat> I, I, I pegged 6.0 is what I considered stable or normal use valuations based on you know a lifetime of compiling this data. And if you look at where we are right now, <clears throat> since late 17 through late 18, we're at like 6.7, 6.8, way lower than where it was, 9.2, 9.4, back in, you know, 2012, spring of, uh, uh, winter of 13. But historically, 6.7, 6.8 is just, you know, it's not too bad. And farmers... You know, they've lived through these cycles, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. They've been up, they've been down, they've seen it all. Conservative people, you know, riding out some difficult times, and you could sort of argue normalized conditions right now the last couple of years, and we, maybe we shouldn't be surprised that used valuations have stabilized and new sales slightly picked up last year. Um, again, not like it was in... 12 or 13, but you know, here we are in early 19 and things are, I don't want to call it smooth sailing or by any means, but you know, we've leveled off. Yeah. We've hit, we've, we've got that, uh, one foot on the bottom step, getting ready to take that first step out of the basement type of deal. Well, Greg, as always, you're a wealth of knowledge and I appreciate you being on my podcast. If guys want to reach out to you and pick your brain or ask you questions or whatever that might be, how would they do that? Well, you just hit us up at machinerypeat.com, Casey, and there's links on there, contact information, or just chase me down on, you know, whatever, YouTube or Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, just type machinerypeat in and we'll pop up. And again, uh, here to help however we can. Right on. Well, Greg, if you guys are out there bouncing around, you're going to see Greg at some auctions from time to time, and, and that's how he's made his living for the last, what, 28 years, Greg? Uh, a little over 29 now. 29. It's uh, kind of scary, huh? but uh, having a lot of fun along the way, Casey. Right on. Okay. Well, you'll see him at those auctions from time to time, and Greg, I'm sure we'll run into each other sometime this year. And Until then, have a, good, have a uh, good 2019, and we'll talk to you down the road, bud. Sounds great, Casey. Thanks much. Casey and Greg. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash ask the expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. Thanks once again to Iron Solutions for sponsoring this series. Visit www.ironsolutions.com today. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when future episodes are released. 
You can also keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Greg, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.